0: Today's episode of Bizarre Albums was chosen by listeners who support the show on Patreon. Once a month, you can vote on an album that I'll cover on an upcoming episode, that plus ad-free versions of the show, weekly bonus episodes, and more. Check out patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums today. Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, Rawhide's Clint Eastwood sings cowboy favorites from 1963. Clinton Eastwood Jr. was born on May 31st, 1930 in San Francisco, California. He grew up in Oakland, and then there seems to be some conflicting reports on whether or not he graduated high school. According to the book, Clint, The Life and Legend by Patrick McGilligan, high school graduation records are a matter of strict legal confidentiality. In the book, Fritz Mainz, who was one of Eastwood's high school friends, said, quote, I think what happened is he just went off and started having a good time. I just don't think he finished high school, End quote. So let's just go with the phrasing after high school. Eastwood moved to Oregon and worked as a lumberjack until being called into the army. This was during the Korean War, though Eastwood's longtime partner, Sandra Locke, said, quote, He always dropped the Korean War reference, hoping everyone would conclude that he was in combat and might be some sort of hero. Actually, he'd been a lifeguard at Fort Ord in Northern California for his entire stint in the military, End quote. While serving in the early 1950s, Universal International Pictures was shooting a production in Fort Ord. Eastwood, who was rugged and handsome standing at six foot four, met with and impressed the director, who suggested that he call him at Universal once he was discharged. Though, again, conflicting reports here. According to the biography by Patrick McGilligan, the key to his path to Hollywood was a man named Chuck Hill. Hill was also stationed in Fort Ord and had contacts to Hollywood. While in Los Angeles... Hill became reacquainted with Eastwood and snuck him into Universal and introduced him to a cameraman named Irving Glassberg. Glassberg then arranged for an audition with Arthur Lubin, director of Phantom of the Opera, several Abbott and Costello films, and the future creator of Mr. Ed.
1: Hello, I'm Mr. Ed.
2: A horse is a horse, of course, of course. And no one can talk to a horse, of course. That is, of course, unless the horse is the famous
0: Mr. A. Lubin was impressed with Eastwood's appearance, but suggested acting classes. Eastwood had grown up not even considering acting as a career. Here he is on Inside the Actors Studio, talking about his first taste of acting.
1: Who was Gertrude Falk? Oh, well, Gertrude Falk was an uh, English teacher I had. Who, uh, and she cast me in a one-act play and the only reason she uh, cast me as the lead is because I was the only person in the class who wanted nothing to do with a one-act play <laughs> I wanted nothing to do with acting whatsoever and uh, didn't understand or think anything about it. it had no concept of what it took to be on a stage the idea of being up in front of people like this was, was a nightmare and so uh, but she said that'll all work for you
0: Lubin would end up offering Eastwood a contract in 1954. Later that year, Eastwood made his film debut with a small role in the sequel to Creature from the Black Lagoon, Revenge of the Creature.
2: Doc, didn't you say that among the lower animals there were
1: no natural enemies, as long as they were well-fed? Yeah, something like that. Well, maybe so, Doc, but there were four rats in there when I changed my lights. Now there's only three. It's my considered opinion that rat number four is sitting inside that cat.
0: He would book several small film and TV roles for the next several years. But his big break would come in 1958, when he was cast as Rowdy Yates on the CBS Western TV series Rawhide. Rawhide debuted on January 9, 1959. Though it never won an Emmy, the show was a big success. Almost immediately reaching the top 20 in the TV ratings. It would go on to run for eight seasons. And during season four, in an episode titled "The Pitch Wagon," Eastwood showed off another talent of his.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Jenny Land. Well, she, uh, she asked that I uh, sing one of her all-time favorite types. (Mu oh, 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 oh. the Sun. Over the mountain, there's a place my heart's longing to be.
0: Music had always been a big part of Eastwood's life. Here he talks about this with James Lipton on more from Inside the Actor's Studio.
1: Uh, My mother uh, liked music, and both my parents did, and uh, uh, we had... um, records, and as I got a little older, I started purchasing records all the time. I first started liking Dixieland jazz, and I liked rhythm and blues, and then blues, and then sort of shout blues and jazz, and I and then I got into the bebop craze in the, in the uh, mid-40s, and oh, you uh, did. kind of uh, fell in love with that. When did you first try your own hand at music? I was about eight or nine or something like that. I started fiddling with the piano, and then one time I was at a party <clears throat> when I was a young kid, and I started playing the piano, and all of a sudden they, all these gals kept coming around the piano and i thought gee this is great I said, why am i at home practicing every day because, uh, so so i did i started practicing and pretty soon i started playing in different uh uh at school assemblies and then i started playing at uh, uh i go into a nightclub down in oakland and i'd play and they'd give me, it wasn't really a nightclub it was just a saloon but they had pizza there and so i could eat pizza and and uh, maybe even
0: drink a beer. During Rawhide's fifth season, Eastwood would sing again on an episode titled Incident of the Hostages.
2: So he's called the guitar. I guess he wouldn't
1: mind if we exercise a little bit. Kind of start strumming back and forth like this and get a sound out of it. I'll show you.
2: Riding hard. Riding fast, always on the go. This is just a
0: drover's life, this is all I know. That song was called Rowdy, also the name of his character. And it was released as a single on Cameo Parkway in 1962, alongside another song called Cowboy Wedding Song. Now, as I've pointed out already in this episode, there are a lot of mysteries and contradictions you'll find when researching Clint Eastwood, and the same could be said for Eastwood releasing a full-length album. Some sources say 1962, some sources say 1963. Well, one of those years, Rawhides Clint Eastwood sings Cowboy Favorites, was released on Cameo Parkway Records. I ain't
2: happy.
0: I'm feeling glad. The album begins with Bouquet of Roses, a song co written by Steve Nelson, best known as one of the co writers of Frosty the Snowman. The song was first released in 1948 and was a number one country hit for Eddie Arnold.
2: I'm sending you a big bouquet of roses One forever
0: So, how did this album even come about? Well, no surprise, Eastwood himself is pretty vague on the details. Here he is on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno in 2006.
1: When did you do this? It's about 1960, what, one? Yeah, it was done in one night on yeah. the way back. Uh, Have you leaving, drinking? leaving New York. <laughs> no, it was in New York, and they said, uh, we'll knock out this album, and they had a jazz bassist who headed up yeah. the session. Yeah. The session and jazz yeah. bass is great, but to do a kind of cowboy tunes, right. it, it was, a, it, was an, it was an odd choice of things. No, Was it your idea or was it like the studio's It idea? was somebody else's idea. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. If, if it was my idea, I'm sure the hell I ain't taking credit for it. <laughs>
0: The back cover of the album reads, The folk song that truly represents a branch of American culture is the Western cowboy song. Ever since courageous Americans crossed the prairies, Western songs have been popular, and there is no better prototype of that cowboy than Cameo Parkway's recording artist, Clint Eastwood, a native westerner and a natural performer. By the way, I should note here that both native and natural are both in quotes.
2: I'm heading for the last rounder. Gonna saddle paint for the last time and ride.
0: Here's some more from the album's back cover. About the songs. During the long watches of the dark night, as the cowboy rode around the milling herds, he sang colorful ballads and melodies. Alone with just the moon, the stars, and the herd, the songs of the cowboy were often plaintive, sad, and emotionally moving. He sang of his home, his girl, his land of dreams, and his hopes for tomorrow. In this cameo recording, Clint Eastwood presents an exciting song picture of the West as it was he vividly describes the life of the cowboy. He sings of their dreams, their sorrows, and their joys. And he sings this unique collection of cowboy favorites with an intimacy and style that marks him as a true show business great. Once again, I'm going to note, great is in quotes.
2: Way up high in that's
0: where
2: i want
0: to be mexicali rose is a song written by jack tenney and helen stone first published in 1923 the song has become a pop standard performed by artists like gene autry jerry lee lewis slim whitman and bing crosby's version was the only one to reach the charts in the u.s hitting number three in 1938 clint eastwood's version is misspelled on the back cover
2: Callie Rose, stop crying. I'll come back to you some sunny day. Every night you'll know that I'll be part.
0: Tumbling Tumbleweeds is a song written by Bob Nolan. And it's one of the most famous songs associated with the Sons of the Pioneers. Their 1934 recording of the song was selected by the Library of Congress as a 2010 addition to the National Recording Registry, which every year selects recordings that are considered to be culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant.
2: See them tumbling down their love to
0: The tumbling tumbling. Well I was trying to fix
1: you know, all the songs are good. I was trying to figure what my fence Don't Fence Me and Cole Porter. <laughs> can, we, can we take a listen? No. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, think, I think people have like
0: <laughs> can, can we just just take a just here's a little clip.
2: Oh give me land, lots of land, Under starry skies above. <laughs> Don't fence me, yeah, that's me pretty good. I love. Don't fence me good.
0: The album's closer is a song called Are You Satisfied? The song was co-written by Sheb Woolley, who was actually one of Eastwood's co-stars on Rawhide. Sheb Woolley is also credited as the voice of the Wilhelm Scream. If you're unfamiliar... The Wilhelm Scream is a stock recording of a distinctive scream that's been used by sound effects teams in over 400 movies and is still used to this day. Sheb Woolley may best be known for his novelty song that went to number one in
2: 1958. It was a one-eyed, one horn flying purple people eater.
0: One-eyed, one-horned.
2: One-eyed, one horn flying purple people, it'll sure looks strange to me.
0: The original version of Are You Satisfied was performed by Rusty Draper and peaked at number 11 in 1956.
2: Are you satisfied? Really satisfied? With a new love that's come your way? Are you satisfied?
0: Of course, Clint Eastwood shot to much bigger fame with his acting career after the release of this album. Only about a year later, he had his first leading role, starring in A Fistful of Dollars.
2: I'm Miguel Rojo. I want to talk to you. I'm Miguel, I hear you're hiring on men. Well,
1: I might just be available. I gotta tell you before
2: you hire me, I don't work cheap.
0: The album never charted, but it has been reissued a few times. In 2010, it saw a CD release. 2012 saw a reissue on 180-gram vinyl from Real Gone Music. And in 2020, Real Gone Music even released a limited-edition version in honor of Eastwood's 90th birthday. It was pressed on red vinyl, limited to 500 copies. The album was produced by Dave Edelman, who has very few credits to his name. But one of them was for a future talk show and game show host who'd actually gotten his start as a big band singer, Merv Griffin. But that is for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums.